Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. The definition of a life, life hack, and this is kind of from a, a, a dictionary point of view, is an often creative strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more productive and efficient way. That's a life hack. A, an often creative strategy or, or a technique adopted in order to manage one time, one's time day, and daily activities in a more productive and efficient way. How do we develop lasting friendships in an ever-increasing unfriendly world? Ron? If you know this, you can sing along. You got friends in me. You got friends in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your old pal said Oh, you got friend in me Oh, you got friend in me You got friends in me You got, got friends friend in me you got troubles, well, I got them too There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you We stick together, we can see it through Oh, you got friend in me Oh, you got friend in me Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am Bigger and stronger too But none of them could ever love you the way I do Just me and you, boy And as the years go by A friendship will never die You're gonna see it's our destiny Oh, you've got a friend in me Oh, you've got a friend in me Oh, you've got a friend in me oh, Well done. Well done. That was a really good vocal, actually. It was very, very good. 30 years ago, the average person had six friends. The average person. I don't know if you're average or not, but um, uh, you can determine that yourself. Um, but the average person had six friends. Today, or in 2018, the statistic was the average person had three. Had three friends. The study showed that um, the, there were three main reasons for that. One is work life, that uh, work has become the priority in life instead of uh, friendships and relationships. Uh, the, th the second one was divorce, that uh, divorce is happening. And what's happening in divorce context is that people are choosing sides uh, in their friendship. So your friends are going, I'm for her or I'm for him. And then they, they, they kind of go their separate ways and you lose friends in those contexts. It's a tough time. It's a tough time. It's a really tough time. And then the third one is not probably surprising to you is social media. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all of, these, uh, all of these things are creating this world in which you think you have friends. 
and you don't. And so there's less friends than you really imagine. You guys know if you go on Facebook at all, you friend somebody, right? And then if you have a problem with them, you just unfriend them. It's a button. <laughs> it's a button. You can just button somebody out of your life. You know, you can unfriend somebody. And so um, that's the way friendship is working in today's world. And so the average person only has three friends now. And uh, they didn't determine, they, they didn't specify whether that was a spouse or whether that was, you know, somebody. But outside of your, your family circle is likely just three friends. And so I'm not asking you to say that's me or that's whoever. But, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're lonely or that that's bad. Or that, uh, but you don't have this growing circle. After Easter, I'm going to preach a series called um, <clears throat> Redemptive Circles. The seven friends you need to keep you alive. The seven friends you need to keep you alive. And I'm going to share a lot of a story that, that has been a part of my life and what I've grown to understand about people and the seven friends we need to keep us alive. And it's going to be a great series. So hang on for that one. That's after Easter. Um, this one's going to take us into Easter. We're going to have two great weeks of Easter sermons. And then following that, we're going to go into um, redemptive circles. It'll be a lot of fun. But 30 years ago, so it was, friendship was very different at, then than it is now. And uh, I think it's interesting to understand what the enemies of friendship are. We talked about a couple of them, work life, divorce, social media. But there are other ones that are very interesting. Uh, marriage is one of those that has affected uh, friendships. Because if you are single, you have these group of friends that you hang out with, and then all of a sudden you're married and they're not. And it's a completely different relational dynamic. And you lose friends during that time. Another one is your first child. Your first child. When you have kids, all of a sudden, especially your first one, all of a sudden life changes. It's not easy just to drop everything and go see a movie or go have a dinner or go, you know, and, and uh, if you have single friends, they don't understand parenting. It's like, I'm really tired of that child crying. It better stop or I'm just going to not, this is going to stop. And so it changes everything. You move away for college. If you're young and you move away from college, then you, lose, you leave a group of friends unless your group of friends goes with you, which is not common. A new job can often separate people. Kids don't get along. If, you're, uh, if you have kids and you get your kids together and they don't like each other, then it's like, you know, okay, we're not going to hang out with them anymore. Right. They beat on my kids and uh, and that's not cool. The husband doesn't connect with the wife's friends and the wife doesn't connect with the husband's friends. That's a very common one. A very common one. Um, and, uh, you know, this, it's like, honey, I want you to get along with her husband. And well, I don't like her husband. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hang with that dude. And, and it's, it's kind of that, you know, and it's a very awkward, uncomfortable. Not that I've ever experienced that ever. OK. <laughs> Um, uh, here's, a, here's a tough one. Um, you lose friends when you become needy. That's a tough one. It's a tough one to go through. Uh, if you're Facebook fake, you'll be found out. Okay? If who you are on Facebook isn't who you are in person, then you'll be found out eventually. And especially close people that are trying to get close to you, um, they'll find out that you're not what you say you are on Facebook. Um, you become the boss. If you're at, at work and you get a promotion and you begin to manage your friends, that's an ugly one. 
Okay, that's an ugly one. It doesn't often go well. Um, here's, a, here's a surprising one. When you accept Jesus, you may lose some friends. Um, and, and the reason, I hope the, the, the reason you lose friends is not because you become judgmental about the friends you have, but that your values change. And, and those values don't become judgmental, but they become different use of your time, your energy, your resources, all those kinds of things. Your behaviors change. And as a result, um, sometimes when you accept Jesus, that is, uh, you can lose some friends that way. And then, um, again, change in values, that, that's an opportunity to lose some friends. So we're going to talk about how to hack the friendship dilemma. Because there's too many things that get in the way of friendship these days. There's too many things that get in the way. Um, some things we could hack are like, uh, what kind of friends should we have? We can talk about that. Um, what is the purpose of friendship? We'll talk a little bit about that. How do we create friends in a narcissistic world? You know what narcissism is? It's this inward, uh, it's all about me. It's all about me. Do you, are you familiar with the story of Narcissus? And, and he was uh, this guy that was curious about um, his reflection in the pond. This is the story I understood. And he was so curious about the reflection in the pond that he bent over so far that he fell, hit his head on a rock and died. And um, that, that was narcissism. Is when you're so into yourself that you fall over and you die because you're, it's all about you. Um, what do we do with one-way friendships? I don't know if you have any of those. Um, uh, how do we handle that? We could talk about that. Uh, how do we handle abusive friends? That's a big one. Um, if you are at all codependent, and what I mean by that is if you feel like you need your friend more than you need your friend to treat you well, then that's codependency. And you're willing to put up with abuse. We see it a lot in marriages where you put up with abuse because you need this person, uh, you, you need this person to like you more than you're willing to draw boundaries for appropriate behavior. That's abusiveness and that's codependency. And um, we could talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. But if you are in an abusive relationship, uh, don't let it happen. Draw boundaries and get out. Get some help. Okay, so what is the best way to know how to hack friendship issues? I think it's to know what one really is. To know what a friend really is. If we don't know that, it's like the counterfeit thing. If you don't know what a real dollar looks like, you won't know what a fake dollar. Uh, you won't be able to identify a fake dollar. And so you need to understand what real friendship is. And of course, I'm going to talk to you about the, the number one friend in this world, and that's Jesus. And he gives us a great description of, who, of what one is. Uh, I thought it was interesting that, um, <clears throat> and here's, a, here's a little picture, uh, and here's why we want to be like Christ. Uh, we are most likely, researchers have found, sociologists have found that we are most likely the average of our five closest friends. Now three closest friends. But we are most likely like our, our, our three closest or five closest friends. So ask yourself this question just for a moment. Kind of do, do a little sociology in your own heart here. Are you, what are you most like? Are you most like the three closest friends you have? That would be interesting because we tip, typically kind of choose those people that are most like us or, or similar to us. And so uh, that's just a, a, little, a little statement. If you're, if you're a young person, even if you're not a young person, but you're a seasoned person, so to speak, um, if you show me your friends, you've probably heard the statement, I can show you your future. 
If you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Because you're likely like them and you're going to go where they go. And you're, you're going to be influenced. Not that you're not always are the followers uh, or the followers will always that will always be the case. The leaders will always take friends with them. And uh, if you if you're a leader, then it's very likely who you're taking with you shows where you're going. Does that make sense? And so we are going to figure out what's the best direction to go for friendship. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and you will become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. We will be influenced by who we walk with. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you're an eagle, why are you hanging out with the turkeys? Right? If you're an eagle, why are you hanging out with the turkeys? If, if you're a champion, why are you hanging out with losers? You know, um, that, it's that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that uh, we label people, but people have a champion mindset, hang around with champion thinking people. They read books about success and, and health and, and, and wise thinking rather than um, all, the, all the stuff that doesn't work or the stuff that feeds a, a, a problem. And so friendship is hacked when we realize that Jesus is the best friend you could ever have. Friendship is hacked when you realize that Jesus is the best friend we could ever have. And uh, so let's go to John chapter 15 verses 9 through 15. It says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. It's a great passage of scripture. It's a challenging passage of scripture because there's especially one point in it that needs some explanation. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But the idea of friendship in the New Testament is this mutual experience, this mutual togetherness, this idea that we are friends together. It's not a one-way friendship. Really, there isn't such thing as a one-way friendship. If you are a friend to someone and they aren't, that's not a friendship. Okay, that's, that's a difficult, that's, a, that's a, a me serving someone else, but not in the context of friendship. That's what we have to understand about what the Bible's teaching us, is it's a two-way street. And so we have to understand that Jesus is talking about this two-way relationship that's going on. And it's critical that we see it and understand it that way in perspective. So the first thing we learn from this passage is that lasting friendships love through sacrifice. If we're going to hack friendships, if we're going to find the solution to friendships, the first thing that needs to happen is that there's sacrifice that comes through love. That if I'm going to be your friend, I'm willing to love you through sacrifice. I'm willing to give into the relationship. And Jesus was a classic example of this. He was the guy that gave everything. In fact, he, he communicated it. And he said that very specifically, love each other as I have loved you. And then he says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He uses the word friends there. There's a lot of words for love in, in, in uh, Greek. There's, there's, uh, there's agape, which is unconditional love, which is the love word that's being used here. Agape each other. 
Love, unrestricted love, unearned love. It's, it's giving no matter what. And then he says, uh, and, and be a friend by giving your life for a friend. And that word friend is phileo or philos. And that word is a familial type of love. It's, it's, a, it's a mutual love that goes back and forth. And so he's saying, love each other as I have loved you. Take on my example. Greater love has uh, no one than this to lay down one's life for one's phileo or family or friends. It's a mutual experience. And so we give out of sacrifice. I, I thought this statement was interesting from one author. He said this. He said, to test the submissive mind or the giving mind is not just how much we're willing to take in terms of suffering, but how much we are willing to give in terms of sacrifice. So too often we, we go, okay, my giving is to tolerate this person. That's suffering. Okay, and we kind of say, okay, I'm willing to, suffering is when someone takes from you. And I'm going to tolerate it. I'm going to put up with. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, my friend isn't the perfect friend. I'm just going to tolerate that friend. But how much are you giving to that relationship? How much are you giving to that uh, relationship of yourself? Not, not what you're suffering, but what you're giving. Is that making sense? So that you're not being taken from, but you're being, you're giving. There's difference. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between tolerance and giving. I'm putting up with them. Some people may say, well, I'm giving because I'm putting up with them. But that, that's, that's, that's having it taken away because whatever their problem is, you're just putting up with it. That's not giving. Giving is saying, I love you. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to take away my agenda so that I can love you. That's sacrifice. Big difference between suffering and sacrifice. Suffering is this abusive friend even. It's taken, taken, taken. Instead of giving, giving, giving. And you give of your own free will rather than because of their issues. Is that making sense? And I think that's a powerful concept to realize that if we are, want to be friends or have friends, we need to understand the difference between tolerance and giving. And when we start giving into the friendship, you're investing into the friendship, then it becomes what Jesus is talking about, where we start sacrificing our life for one's friends. Because we're giving of ourselves. We're giving of our, our means. We're giving of our, 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 our heart, our, our spirit. Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave everything, willingly. It wasn't a toleration of our sin. He was giving to redeem the relationship. He was giving to take away the sin so that we could have a healthy relationship. And he gave. It wasn't us taking it wasn't him just suffering because of our issue. It was suffering to redeem our lives and the relationship that we had between us and God. That's powerful. Let me ask, let me ask you just to think about this. You don't have to, to respond with hands raised or anything. What could you give right now of yourself, time, resources, talent, whatever it is, to a friend? 
that would make a difference in that relationship. Not to tolerate them. Oh, I could go and I could put up with them for another hour. That's not giving. That's tolerating. What could you give to influence and enhance that relationship or enhance that individual to be a better person? I think that's the power of giving. How can we give to a friend? I love this idea of outlook determines outcome. So your perspective will determine your outcome. Okay, so let's look at it this way. If I'm a selfish friend, I'm likely going to be by myself. But if I'm a selfless friend, I'm going to be with others. So selfless friend, selfish friends, if you're about yourself, you will be by yourself. Selfless friends, if you're about others, you will be with others. Think of friendship that way. If you're not about yourself and you're about other people when you're with them, then you are going to be with them. But if you're about yourself and you're not about them and you make it all about yourself, you're likely going to end up by yourself. And so the hack is sacrifice. The hack is getting into the lives of those that um, you're with and giving to them, giving to them, sacrificing yourself for them and for the benefit of the relationship. The second hack is this. Lasting friendships serve through obedience. Serve through obedience. This is a very interesting concept. And this is the part of this passage that I was like, what? He said, if you are my friends, you are my friends if you do what I command. Like, what? How's that friendship? You know? Hey, do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. No, that's not the context of this passage. Again, he's using the word phileo, which is friends, which is this, this, this mutual friendship. And, and it's we meet each other's needs. So when my wife says, I need something, is that a command? Yeah, pretty much. But it's the context of the command that means something. It's the context of the relationship that makes it a command. I love you, therefore, whatever you need, I'm here to meet that need. You see, if we're going to get used to loving each other and having good friendships, then we have to understand that part of friendship is serving each other and serving the needs of each other. And so because I'm your friend, whatever you need becomes my responsibility. Now, that can get weird. OK, you can it can become a codependent thing where someone says, oh, really, you're here to meet my needs. <laughs> Let's talk. Here's the list. You know, and it can get, get totally strange and weird. And you have to pray and get, ask God for discernment in those contexts because somebody can really take advantage of that. But at the end of the day, when you are there, you have to understand that the needs that are most important to any relationship are those needs that keep the, the, the friendship healthy, that keep it unified, that keep it in, a, in, in a, a loving relationship, not a weird codependent relationship. And the idea of serving each other's needs, we should be tripping over each other to try and meet each other's needs. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Okay, let's get stuck in the door together. <laughs> right? Is that, is that kind of thing. Hey, I, I want to I honor you. No, I want to honor you. No, I want to honor you. Okay, let's go through the door together. Ugh, you know, and get stuck there. And, and that's the kind of thing it should be. And it, even in a marriage relationship, in any relationship, 
If we're going to example the very nature of Christ in that relationship, we're going to hack that relationship so that it is a, a, a healthy, friendly relationship, then we need to understand what it means to serve each other. The same passage that I read earlier, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Wow. Do not, not looking to your own interest, but each to the interests of others. And so I've, I've learned in relationships to say, so tell me about yourself. I ask a lot of questions. If I hang out with you, you'll probably go crazy because I like to ask questions. What are you about? What do you do? What, are you, what, makes you, what, what kind of fun do you like to have? Do you, are you reading anything right now? What's going on? Do you have any needs? How can I pray for you? And uh, I'm not trying to elevate myself there, but that's the, that's the practice of being interested about others. And uh, we, you know, we should be stumbling over each other to, to learn about each other and to understand each other and to have the, the interests of others before our own interests. And when that happens, it's a really cool experience. People feel valued. They, they feel lifted up. They feel like you're important and significant instead of, um, well, let me tell you about myself. And I've hung out with people like that. And, you know, an hour later, it's like, wow. Okay, I didn't know you had a dog that had three puppies and one lost one. And, you know, I'm sorry that happened. And um, I'm sorry that cavity is really bugging you in the back of your mouth. You know, you find out things that you really didn't need to know. <laughs> um, but at the, at the end of the day, it, it matters. And so when we, when we talk to each other, we're all about the interests of others. So let me ask you this question. Do you have a, kind of a, a tool that you could use to be about others? I have a tool and I'm going to give it away and you'll, you'll realize I'm using it if I talk to you and I'm using this tool. But it's, it, it's just a little acronym. It's called ROCI. R-O-C-I. Okay? Residence, occupation, children, interests. Residence, occupation, children, interests. I can have an hour-long conversation with just about anybody with those four things in my mind. Tell me where you live. How long have you lived there? Residence, right? Occupation, what do you do for a living? Oh, how long have you done that? What's that all about? That's a cool job. Tell me a little bit more about it. How did you get there? Are you moving up in the world? You know, all that kind of stuff. You're all about occupation. Children, do you have any children? No? All right. What are you interested in? And we can go on. And we, that's how you have a, a conversation. You can learn about people very, very simply that way. And you, it becomes about your interest in them as opposed to their, or your interest in yourself. Right? And so there's a, a little tool. R-O-C-I, Rocky. It helps me have good conversations and keep things on the table about the other person. That's just a very cool tool. So we hack friendships by having lasting friendships serving through obedience. And lastly, we have lasting friendships share transparency or transparently. Lasting friendships shared transparently. This is a really interesting point in the scripture that we read earlier in <clears throat> when Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. So this difference between kind of a slave relationship and a friend relationship for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
It was very typical in the culture of the Bible not to share the business of the government or whatever you're doing. If, you're, if you have a slave, you don't get intimate and transparent with your slave. And I'm not saying slaves is, it, slavery is appropriate or anything like that, but this is the context of that passage. You just don't share your, your intimate dealings with the people that serve you. And, and in this case, uh, Jesus is simply saying, I've shared everything with you. I've shared things with you because I love you and I consider you a friend, not a servant. I've shared everything from my heart. I've shared everything about what the father is. I've shared everything about relationships. I'm sharing everything with you. And it's the riskiest part of relationship because as soon as you become vulnerable and transparent, man, what can happen? And I've had that happen to me in my, in my lifetime where I've shared stuff with people that I thought were very close friends of mine. And all of a sudden, they're sharing that information in places that it doesn't belong. And there was nothing wrong with that information, but it wasn't right to share it in other places. It wasn't right to, to, to use it against me if I shared a weakness or a, a, a problem or a challenge that I'm facing, which I have some closest friends. I, this is the coolest thing. I have a friend, his name is Jim Hans. He's up in Seattle. I'm cry. Jim is by far one of my closest friends. I want to read to you what he sent me this morning. As I was praying about today, he said, un unprovoked text this morning, praying that God's anointing will flow through you and that lives will be transformed today as they hear the word of God. God is with you. Love you, man. That's a friend. And I've shared everything with Jim. He knows the, the most intimate parts of my life. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my failures. He knows my successes. He knows my worries, my concerns. I'm not afraid to share anything with him because I know that it will stay with him. But I also know that that happens. That he prays, that he asks God to work in my life and I ask God to work in his life. And we trade these, these texts back and forth and we encourage one another. And, and, and when we were going through challenges, both of us going through challenges at the same time, we were leaning in, not leaning away from each other. And the transparency that I have with, with, with Jim is a very, very significant part of our relationship. And it's one that just glues us together. It doesn't weaken our relationship. It doesn't weaken our relationship that he knows something about me that is a weakness or a, a challenge or uh, something I need prayer for. It doesn't weaken it. It just strengthens it because we lean into each other and we, 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 we live life together. And we, 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 we won't let each other fall. I mean, I would fly to Seattle in a flat second. He would fly here in a flat second. If I said, Jim, I need you here right now. He would be here. And that's the kind of relationship that we need to develop in all of our friendships. Now, you don't do that with every friendship you have. If you know Jesus had three close friends, three close disciples, it expanded out to his 12, and then he had a bigger group. But the three, Peter, James, and John, were the ones that he probably shared more with than anybody. And, and this intimacy, this vulnerability, this openness, this transparency is all about what it means to be a friend. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That healing is soul healing, not physical healing in the context of that passage. It's soul healing. When we are able to get what is in the darkness into the light, it's a beautiful thing. And we have to have close friends to do that. And I want to encourage you today. There is nothing more important than having a close friend. Nothing more important than having somebody to lean into. I like what um, C.S. Lewis said. He said this. He said, friendship is born at, the mo- at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? <laughs> That's what transparency does. It allows you to understand that you're not alone. What you're going through is someone else is going through. The real you is the best you. The real open vulnerability person, that's the people that you hang with, that you're close with. When I'm with Jim, I I just go, (sighs) I can just relax. If I'm going through something, I can just share it with him and not worry about what he thinks of me or what it might have an impact on my life in, in a negative sense. All I have to do is say, Jim, man, I need prayer in this area. I need you to encourage me. I need you to keep me in your mind in prayers. I need it send stuff my way that helps me grow. I love all that because it's transparency. And, and I, I, it, you don't do that with everybody. But you do everything you can to build those close friendships. If we're going to hack friendships in our lives, we need to have this attitude. We need to love through sacrifice. We need to serve through obedience. And we need to share transparently. And when we do, we're going to find those people that connect us and hold us up and keep us strong. And it's not just about us. Here's a powerful idea. This world outside these walls need friends. They need people that they can trust. They need every one of us need people that we can trust and love and encourage and support. And my prayer for you today is that if you're lonely, if you're uh, facing friendship issues and challenges, take this to heart. That today, maybe what is important is that you begin to love through sacrifice. You begin to invest into the friendships that you believe are going to continue to grow and develop and strengthen. And that you serve through obedience. You find out what their needs are and meet them. And you share transparently with, with wisdom And you begin to open up and let that person feed your soul as well as you feeding theirs. I believe today there might be somebody in this room that's struggling. You need a friend. The first and most important friend you have is Jesus. He's he's done this already. He's loved through sacrifice. He's found out what your needs are. And he's met them and will continue to meet them. And he's shared so transparently with the word that he's given us to read. We can know everything about our Savior that we need to know to understand how much he loves us and cares about us. I want to pray for you. God, thank you so much that today we have a friend, the creator of the universe. The one who hung on a cross and died for our sins. You are our friend and we thank you and praise you for it. I thank you and praise you that you gave us this example of love through sacrifice. Of serving through obedience and sharing transparently. God, thank you so much that you are the the model of a friend. 
And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those in this room that are feeling lonely. Maybe they're feeling friendless. Maybe they've had challenges making friends. Whatever the case may be, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, your Holy Spirit would put in our hearts the ability to become a friend and to show friendship to others. For Lord, we won't be friends if we aren't one. And we won't have friends if, if we aren't a friend. And so Lord, help us. Help us to, to, to be a friend to others. Help us to love through sacrifice. Help us to serve through obedience. Help us to share transparently so that we can model your love for us. Model your friendship with us. And may the power of your Holy Spirit move right now, God, in those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are going through difficult times and friendships. I believe that you are allowing us to hack the friendship problem with your model of friendship. Empower us, God, to, to love sacrificially. Empower us, God, to serve the needs of others. Empower us, God, to share with wisdom transparently so that we can continue to lean into each other. I thank you, God, for everything you're doing in our lives and in our hearts. And I pray today that your Holy Spirit will use us to not just uh, have friends, but to be friends and to be friends of this world that is a friendless place, that is losing their friends year after year, that is becoming a very isolated uh, relationship with the world. Lord, I pray that you help us to be friends to those that need friends in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You maybe today is your first day where you've realized for sure that Jesus is your friend and that he loves you sacrificially. He's ready to meet your needs. He wants to share himself with you transparently. And if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your savior, then I just encourage you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to accept Jesus today to be my friend, my savior, my redeemer. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen, amen, praise God, thank you. Anybody else? Just pray this prayer, not out loud, but just under your breath. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I thank you for that forgiveness. And I welcome the idea that I am completely forgiven for every mistake I've ever made. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And I look forward to being with you for eternity, for I understand that you were raised from the dead. And today I have the promise of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me. I commit to follow you. And I, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Woo! Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.